You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. And so today we're going to continue in this series, um, the series that we're doing right now. It's on the Ten Commandments, and we're talking about how to find freedom in the Ten Commandments, that it's not legalism, it's not um, something that is... Uh, that you should avoid because you're afraid that it somehow is legalism, that somehow or another it's going to affect the idea of grace. It does not, um, does not conflict with grace. If you want to really get real intense about it and really study, you can find this out. But um, for every, every instruction that you get in the Old Testament, you'll see that Jesus requires an even greater commitment than what they had in the Old Testament. I mean, for everything you see in the Ten Commandments that you see that you think it's difficult, um, Jesus actually says it in a much deeper way when he instructed us on it. And Paul actually repeats it as well. But things like this, today I'll, I'll read this one to you, but um, I titled this message, Pathway of Pardon, and the reason why is we're going to talk today about thou shalt not murder. I know you're probably thinking like, well, how are you going to build a message on you shouldn't murder? I mean, we all know that, don't we? I mean, we should know. You shouldn't go around murdering people. I mean, I don't think there's any ax people in the house. I don't think there's any of that psycho stuff going on, but just in case... Um, you know, anyway, God tells us this, but Exodus twenty thirteen, uh, he just simply says, you shall not murder. You think, well, that's pretty clear. I don't think we're all going to be doing that, right? At least I hope there's nobody, you know, hiding out anywhere like with that. But I doubtful that's here. I doubtful anyone's thinking about anything like that. But the idea is, though, Jesus actually said this, that, you know what, if you have hate in your heart, you've actually already committed murder. So if you think what was tough in the Ten Commandments, Jesus said, if you hate somebody, you've already committed murder. You may not have done the act with the axe, but in your heart, you've already committed it. It's pretty strong to hear from Jesus, you know. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this today. And the reason I call it the pathway of pardon is, you know, if you've ever heard this, every presidential uh, term that comes to a close, the president gets an opportunity and if they think they're going to make a second term, I can't remember how many times this happens, but they, they can offer a pardon at pretty much any point they want to. Have you ever heard of this? You know, at the end of a lot of presidential terms, they'll give pardons. There's people that have been in jail or things like that, and they find out and there's cases where they were, you know, injustice was done or whatever. And so they can reach out and they can give pardons, which is a good thing that, you know, because if something's been overlooked or a case has gone awry, whatever, a president can step in and just grant a pardon. No questions asked. He doesn't need an attorney. He doesn't need, all he's got to do is sign the paper and they are pardoned. Pretty cool deal if, you know, you were sitting in the jailhouse and kind of thing and the president pardoned you. But the only way that a president can pardon someone is if he wants to. Like there's no, there's nothing saying A, B, C, they get to be pardoned. The reason a president will pardon someone is if he pretty much wants to. That's it. There's no, hey, you've got to pardon this guy. He, if he doesn't want to pardon him, he doesn't have to pardon him. And the interesting thing is they take into political capital as well, I'm sure. They go, well, if I pardon this person, how's it going to affect my polling? If I pardon this person, will it help my polling? I'm sure some of that goes into the, to the process. But in the end, it is the president who signs with the pen the pardon. And if he doesn't want to, guess what? Nobody's getting pardoned. I mean, he even, you know, what pardons a turkey every Thanksgiving as well, right? I guess that's kind of required, but in the system that is set up, he doesn't have to pardon anyone. So watch this, though. Neither do you. You can pardon anybody you want to. Anybody. Anybody you want to, you can pardon them. But if you don't want to, guess what? 
they can stay incarcerated in your heart until the day you go to meet Jesus. And then what's going to happen in heaven is he's going to set them free. You may say, well, they hurt me. He's going to, they don't fly here. You know, I forgave you. I expect you to forgive them. That's what he's going to say. It's just going to be as simple as that. That's why the Bible tells us forgive just as Christ forgave you. You want to talk about forgiveness in a much deeper level. If Jesus forgave us, he's saying, look, man, if, if Jesus forgave you of what you've done, your inability to repay a debt that you in, have inherited, passed down from generation to gener- generation, if you couldn't get out of that debt, but I forgave you, how can we hold on to someone else and say, I will not forgive them? Because Jesus forgave us of something even greater. So listen to what the scriptures say about this in 1 John 3, 1, or 1 John three eleven actually. But John is teaching this, and the same thing, he got this from Jesus. But he says, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one, and he killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So, verse 13, don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Now, before I go any further, just understand this. The world, unintentionally, but because of the no knowledge of Christ, people without God, they're going to hate from the standpoint, maybe not hate everyone, but you see the kind of animosity that is raised up against many Christians today. It is nothing more than what, it's already been told us from the Gospels. Scriptures declare this, that the world's going to hate you. So don't be surprised by this. Don't be shocked when people do you wrong. Don't be like surprised, like, whoa, why did they do that to me? Like, I am such a nice person. My personality is nice. I'm sweet. I'm kind to everyone. I even bought someone's coffee to the person behind me in line. I did that whole love people they don't even know kind of thing. I paid their way. They didn't even know me. I go, oh, I feel so good today. Then someone hurt me. Why? Because don't be surprised. You're a Christian, and you don't have to wear the little fish sticker on the back of your car. You don't have to put a Jesus shirt on. You don't have to do any of that. Guess what? The enemy out there knows who you are. He can sniff you out, smell you. He knows you're a believer. you got a little stamp on you, whether you realize it or not. Everywhere you go, you have this little aura about you that says, I'm a believer. And so what is the enemy constantly trying to do? Take you down. Don't be surprised. Christians walk around so many times like, I just don't know why they don't like me. I can tell you why. You're a child of the king. We just sang and worshiped about, oh, I'm a child. I'm a child of God. We sing about it. We oh, we cry about it. But we're surprised when it actually happens in the world. Why they don't like me? You're a child of the king. And that's a good thing. But don't be surprised when people hate your gut sometimes and say stuff about you. So shocked, like, I just, I pray for them. I love on them. That's why they're coming after you. The enemy doesn't want you to do that. But don't let up on the prayer and don't let up on the love. Just don't be surprised. He says in verse 14, If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, this is so important. If you don't get anything today, man, listen, this will be enough just today as a believer. If you're a Christian, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, this proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still what? dead. Listen into this verse. Anyone, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. 
And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. So the standpoint would be like this. One of the translations reads it like this. You know this, that if a person person hates another brother or sister, they're really a murderer at heart, and you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. One translation reads it like this. Um, It means that if you're a Christian, that part of you should be gone. As a believer, if you are a Christian, that part of you that used to hate You shouldn't be able to hate brothers and sisters. If you hate a brother and sister in the Lord, it tells you either one of two things. You're not saved, which could be a, not trying to scare you, but that should be really cause you to stop in your tracks and think about something. Or number two, you've not yet developed how to love people like Christ did. One of two things. That's the only two things it can be. But the commandment, let me just clear this up real quick as we go forward. The commandment says thou shalt not murder is not the same thing as thou shalt not kill. Okay? Two different things. We have military and you guys all have family, same as us, who have fought in wars and died for this nation so that you and I could come here today and worship and just be free to worship God without fear of anyone else coming and knocking on the door because men and women have laid down their lives for our nation and they've had to take lives to do that. That is not murder. That is called a God sets up righteous places of authority to enforce laws and enforce peace. That is not murder. Big difference between the two. Somebody comes in your house and they start attacking your family. Listen, if you have to do what you have to do, and if it calls it to the full ultimate end, then that's not murder. That's called protecting your family. And Jesus doesn't say, when he talked about persecution, he didn't say, if somebody strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek and just walk away in pertaining to defending your family. He's talking about in persecution of the faith of Christ. That's what he's saying. If you're standing up as a believer and you're just walking, doing your thing, they slap you on the cheek and say, how do you like that, Christian? Oh, you're a big Christian now, aren't you? Pow! You're supposed to take it, turn the other cheek, let them slap you again, and pray and hope you can contain yourself and walk away praying. You may not have been filled with the Spirit. All of a sudden, you're praying in tongues because of that right there. You didn't matter. You all of a sudden think you're did not, your whole theology just changed right there. You'll pray anything just to be able to contain yourself. But if someone is coming after you, has nothing to do with the faith, you're not supposed to sit around and pound you in the ground. You're not supposed to let people just beat up on your family. And, and I understand this whole thing in our society is about bullying. I get it. That's, you don't let people bully you around and things like that. But at the same time, we're doing a pretty big injustice on people when every time somebody turns around and the bully hits someone and hits someone and hits someone and the guy defends himself and he gets punished for defending himself. That's not right. Well, to, you know, if you do it and you do it, well, everybody gets in trouble. That's not right. If I defend myself, I am justified to protect my family, period. And God gives us that declaration. So murder is an intentional taking of life premeditate, you do it and you go after it, that's wrong. If you have to defend your family, military, soldier, law enforcement, and those areas there, man, listen, they are authorized, authorized. But listen today, the opposite of love is hate, and hate is is the seed of murder. The opposite of love is hate, and hate is the seed of murder. So I'm going to give you a couple of things. Why is this so important? Why are you talking about this? Because I can promise you this, I'm going to I'm going to tag you today in some areas. I can guarantee you, everyone, it may not be the first, second, or third, but it might be the last one. I promise you, because I'm a pastor, and I, I pastor people, and so we're all people. 
I know we all deal with this. You might not hate anybody, but there might be a few of us in the room. Maybe you do. And if you do, I want you to hear this today. Hatred is the last step before murder. That's why it's so dangerous. You may think, oh, I would never do that. You probably wouldn't. But if it's so, if you have enough hatred in your heart, the Bible declares you've already killed someone in your heart. So listen to what the Bible says about hatred. How, how do you know that, Pastor Jody? Well, in Genesis 37, verse 4, talking about Joseph, he says, but his brothers hated Joseph. What do you do? They hated Joseph. Why did they hate him? Because their father loved him more than the rest of them. That's a whole other message. See, if you've got multiple kids in the house, you ought not be loving one more than the other. And if you do, you might want to figure out how not to show that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've got to fix that. But he hated him. They hated him. All of them hated him. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Their hatred was so strong Listen to what's happening in verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance, and as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Hatred is the last step. And you may think, I would never do that. Well, I pray to God, I hope, I don't think anybody in here would either. But I'm just going to check every one of us and say, if you hate anybody, particularly if they're a Christian, that's the last step. There's nothing left. Well, I mean, I just, you know what I mean. If you hate him, it's the last step. Why did they conspire to kill him? Because they hated him. So listen to what Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy 19 says, But if there's a man who hates his neighbor, how do you know if it's hatred so tied to murder? Listen to what it says. If there's a man who hates his neighbor and he lies in wait for him and he rises up against him and he strikes him so that he dies and he flees to one of the cities of refuge... Then the elders of this city shall send and take him from there and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he might die. They're going to call up Thor and Iron Man and like all these other avengers. See, there's nothing new under the sun. You thought that, no, 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 there's nothing new under the sun. Avengers have always been around. But it was capital punishment. And now listen, I'm not making light of this. I'm really, I'm trying to, it's a heavy thing, so I'm just kind of interweave some so you can relax a little bit, okay? I'm not making this so I don't want to make it so light, but at the same time, I don't want you to be so tense the whole time either. But there is a reason why there's capital punishment. It is hard to hear this as a society, but you need to hear this. If a person takes another person's life, it would be awful to have to see and be a part of the process to say, I commit this person to an execution. But the reality is, this was instituted, why? Why? Because it shouldn't be allowed to go on. And when it's allowed to go on and on and on, when people are allowed to just, you know, everything that's going on today, I mean, every time I quit watching the news, because every time I turn it on, someone else is shooting up somebody else. And, it's, and, it's, and we say, well, it's a mental thing, or it's a health thing, or it's a diet thing, or they just weren't treated good as a son. I'm so tired of hearing about kids who didn't have moms and dads, and that's their excuse for why they act the way they did. That is ridiculous. Lots of people didn't have moms and dads. Because a lot of people didn't have great family units. That is no excuse. But when a society excuses it, well, Junior just had a bad year. Well, Junior just didn't get the best break in life. So what? When you make excuses for it, then it opens up the door for others to feel like they can be excused for their crimes as well. And I know this is maybe not what you thought you was going to hear today. But it's good anyway. 
Now, this is a person about, listen to this next verse. Listen to the difference. This is why I want you to hear the difference between someone who intentionally harms people versus someone that happens accidentally. And Joshua says in Joshua 20 and verse 5, the Avengers are back. Maybe it's the Avengers of Ultron. I don't know. But now if it's the Avenger of blood pursues him, they, they shall not deliver the manslayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor without premeditation and did not hate, watch that, hate him beforehand. There are times when it happens, and you've seen this before. Things just go too far. But I'm telling you something. Good, sweet, loving Christians like all of you in this room to look at me right now like, I just can't believe you're telling me this. It's so sweet. I mean, just, I'm just, and you think you'd never heard a flea. My wife is one of the sweetest people. She probably, she, probably she probably is the nicest person I know, really. Like, she is unbelievably kind, super sweet, forgiving, like... She's just over the top, way more, like, I, this message is just for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm the kind of person that needs this kind of message. For her, she wouldn't, I mean, you know, like, she wants me to, they're just, all my kids want me to release little animals and critters that come in, that whatever. Just, she wouldn't hurt anything, but I promise you, I promise you this, you mess with our kids, you let one person hurt one of our babies, she will change. You have no idea who she really is underneath all that sweetness. I promise you. I've seen her before when people when it you mess with babies. Mamas, isn't it true? There's a line there's a line. Junior gets picked on in school. Okay, well what you do? Well you need to fix it, yada yada yada. There's a line. You kinda you'll take it, you'll take, you'll take it. But you, somebody there's a line somewhere, and I'm not sure where it falls because I just know I don't want to be over that line, you know, as a husband. If I don't show up one Sunday after something, you just know what happened. I must have crossed the line, you know what I mean? He's gone. He's, he's gone. He's out of here. If you can't find me, talk to Haley and see what, maybe I crossed the line. Moms just have this, you mess with babies. Why? Because you know instinctively it's not right for people to hurt people and get away with it. It's not right. But if it happens accidentally, in other words, if you're defending yourself, it's a completely different issue. It'd be painful to go through. There ain't no way I'm going to sit around and let somebody hurt my babies. Nobody. I mean, listen, if somebody comes out trying to hurt you, I wouldn't let them hurt you either. I mean, that, sometimes I get myself in trouble because I do that. I don't know if y'all do that, but often when, are they doing that Dateline NBC thing, you know, where they do the hidden video thing? And I see this guy in the skirt like getting into it like, ah, 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 and it's like, man, I'm thinking, man, is he going to hit her or something? And I've, I've done this before. I said, hey, man, hey, yo, calm down, bro. What's, what are you doing, man? And not thinking about, like, the ramifications. Like, maybe I should not in, engage in this, you know. Next thing you know, I'm going to jump on me or something, man. Like, but it just comes up in you before you think about it, does it not? You're just like, hey, that's not right. Stop that, right? Because we know that it's not right. But hatred, I'm telling you, is the last step. And when hatred gets in your heart, it equates to murder. Now, I'm just saying this right now. If you have hatred in your heart for any, I don't care what they did to you. It could be the worst, most awful thing in the room. It, we don't know what that is, but I'm telling you right now, if you have hatred in your heart, pardon them today. Just forgive them and let them go today. Because it's the last step before murder. First John 3.15, one more time. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. In other words, it means how can eternal life abide within us if we have hatred in our heart for a brother or a sister in Christ? So what goes before murder? Listen to this. It's anger. 
Oh, Lord, I know it's, it's anger. Oh, you look, all the temper people in the room, just, just hang in there. Just pray. Just take a moment right now. Get before the Lord. Because this is me. I, I, deal, with, I deal with this, but just hear the scripture on it. Genesis 4, 3. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And watch this. This made Cain very what? It made him angry, and he looked dejected. In other words, he wasn't just angry. His face was showing it, you know? If you're happy and you know it, that kind of thing. Well, if you're happy and you know it, you should let your face show it. Well, he was angry. His face was showing. He had the eyebrows furred, you know? I don't know how many of you guys do that, but, you know, I do. But anyway, he's angry. So the Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? What's up, man? Why are you so angry? The Lord said, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what's right, then watch out for sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But watch this interesting verse Jesus, what the Lord gives him right here. He says, but you must subdue it and be its master. You know, one other place in Genesis where he told him to subdue, it was the devil. He said, you should subdue the earth, subdue the creatures, you should rule and reign, and you don't let anything come into the garden that's not supposed to be there. You're supposed to subdue it. Take authority over it. Take control over it. So he says this to him right here. Anger is coming in. It's crouching at your door, Cain. He says, you've got to subdue it, man. You've got to get mastery over it. Verse 8, but Cain didn't. So one day he suggested to his brother, let's go in out into the fields. You know, you'd think Abel would have known something was up. If he's looking mad, hey, you want to go out to the fields? To do what? He didn't ask any questions. Nothing like, uh, I don't know, maybe tomorrow? Nothing. He just like... It shows you right there that you can be angry at somebody and the other person might not even realize. Totally unaware. They took him out to the field and he killed him. Why is anger so bad? Because in Ephesians 4, Scripture tells us this, that you better not give foothold to anger because if you do, you have given Satan a foot in the door. Now, I don't know if you've ever had anybody try to come in the door when you were kids, man, I'm watching my kids now. They do this. It's so funny to watch. But if you had brothers and sisters, how many of you guys have brothers and sisters growing up? Like you had more people in your house besides just you. So if you didn't, you just you might not understand this and why, if you have more kids now, what's wrong with them? You know, Haley's asked me a number of times, like, what's wrong with these kids? Because she, she didn't have any brothers and sisters, so she didn't get the benefit of, you know, holding your brother or sister down and just, you know, doing like that or just, you know, spitting on them or hitting them or whatever else kids do. If, you know, if you ever run through and you, 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 one of the kids is running behind you, your brother or sister is running behind you, and they're real close, what do you do? You run through the door, bam, right? You just lock the door, ha, 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 ha. You know, you got their cupcakes or whatever, you know, and they're just freaking out mad, beating on the door, and they can't get in. Well, every now and then, though, what happens, though, if they can just get a foot in the door, they can't shut the door. Now it all comes down to who's stronger. See, before if you shut the door and lock it, it doesn't matter. Deal's done, we're over, things out the... But if somebody gets their foot in the door, it's all about strength now. Who's stronger? And whoever's stronger is the one that's coming in. The point is this. If you let anger in your life, it has a foothold. And anger is nothing more than allowing the enemy entrance into our lives. Now, I don't know if you've ever had anger issues, but I have, and uh, I still, from time to time, need moments. <laughs> so for, if, if I'm the only one, I'll just preach it to me, but I'm sure I'm not. I'm sure I'm not. 
But one time years ago, so this was when I was probably, I don't know, maybe 10 or so, um, maybe 11. I can't remember exactly. You're going to have to ask my grandmother. But my grandmother, man, she could cook some stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you could take, I don't know how they take a bag of beans that are dry, that taste awful, and when she's done with them, it's like fantastic. Like, she puts stuff in the pot, like ham, maybe some, you know, pork bones or whatever the stuff is. I don't know what all goes in that pot. All I know is the beans are amazing with hot, like fresh cornbread, you know, and sometimes there's like the crackling stuff in it. If, you don't know, if you're not from here, you know what cracklings are. That's just some pork fat fried and then baked into the corn. Bread, can somebody say, thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? It's just amazing. And so one day she's cooking up all this stuff and she uses what's called a pressure cooker. Have you, ever, you guys ever seen one of these things? You may not have one, but it's what your grandmother had at her house. And you came in, you hear this thing going, you know what it does? And just sitting there simmering for, for like 30, 40 minutes. I don't know how long it cooks, but that little thing on top is just, what is it doing? It's letting out pressure. It's a steam release valve. Well, something happened to hers. Like pressure cookers should come with a warning label. They're really dangerous if you don't know that and don't know about Something happened to her pressure cooker. I don't remember what it was. It either stopped up the valve, one of those beans plugged the hole, I don't know what it was, but that thing went going except the fire is still on. No, it's still hot. So nobody's really paying it because people are talking, you know, hey, how are you doing? We're all just hanging out, people just, you know, having a good time. Some point in time, we don't know how long back it was, but the thing went letting off some steam and just in a moment it went boom and I've never seen anything like this in my life but beans came out the top of the pot like it was chaos like a waterfall of Yellowstone Park or something like a gusher geyser of pinto beans man when I say they were everywhere like I'm not making a story they were on all of the ceiling they were dripping from the ceiling. They were on the floor. It was like beans. You couldn't get near them because they're burning you hot. Somebody's standing back. It's just going everywhere. When it finally stops, it looked like, I don't know, napalm or something. Beans were just. I was helping. I was having to get on the counter, and I was cleaning the ceiling for them, wiping beans off the ceiling. It was crazy. All because the steam valve got clogged. And it didn't release what was inside. And this is what happened with, with anger. If you let that stuff keep building and building and building, and you don't figure out how to release some steam, one day you're going to be like a pot of beans, and you're going to explode on somebody. It ain't going to be pretty either. Like it's, it was gross. So I don't know what you need to do. Maybe you need to go play some golf. Maybe you need to go fishing. Maybe you need to go for a walk. Drink some Kool-Aid. Like, I don't know what you need. An icy, maybe like a, I don't know what you need. I know for everybody it's different, but whatever's for you, you got to let that, I mean, you got to let something release some steam. If not, it's anger. Eventually it comes out. So there's hatred. It's the last step before murder. But before hatred, there's anger. But before anger, this is the one probably more of us fall into. There's offenses. So Mark 6, 2, we talked about this last week. We listened to this. Mark 6, 2. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, Jesus did. 
And the many listeners were astonished at him, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles as these perform. It sounds like a compliment, but it's not. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they said, they took offense at him. They took offense at Jesus. The word astonished is an interesting word. It's not what you think it is. In our culture, we're astonished like, wow, look at so beautiful, wow. It's not what it means here. So put on the screen for you, to astonish, to be astonished means you want to strike, to expel a blow. It means that you want to drive out or away. They were ready to strike him. They were ready to hit him, to hurt him. Because you can prove this out, because not long, there was a scripture in Luke 4 when he was reading from Isaiah the prophet and talking about he's the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. He's the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him to preach, to heal, to, take, to heal the blind, to heal the sick, cleanse the All this stuff he's talking about, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he said today, the scripture fulfilled in your ears. When he said that, the continuation goes further and it says this in verse 28. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with what? Rage as they heard these things. This is in Luke 4, 28. And they got up, and watch what they did. They drove him out of the city. They led him to the brow of the hill. This is not a hill like a myrtle hill where you just might roll down the thing. If you've been in Jerusalem, the brow of the hill would have been at the top where the temple was. They're going to throw him off, which is so far down, it's straight down, and to kill him. Throw him off the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. They were offended to that point that they're ready to hurt him. Now, don't have to raise your hand. I already know the answer. May not have hatred in your heart. Maybe you're not angry at anybody. But I just about can guarantee you 90-some-odd percent of us have been offended before. Come on, if you feel the anointing. Just raise your hand right now and say, thank you, Jesus, because it's true. We've all been offended, right? You got offended. I've gotten offended. Everybody has been offended. And why do we get offended? And this is the part I want to lay down a couple of thoughts on right here as we close out today. is because we all have this unfulfilled expectations. Now, listen, let's just, let's just call it like it is today. Can we, can we just be real today? Y'all live in Rome, Georgia? That's in the south. You're in Georgia, in case you forgot where you was at. This is the South. I was telling somebody the other day, this is what happens in the, in the South. If you're from here, you know this. If you've, if you've migrated to the South from some other area, you might not know this. But if somebody who's lived here and they've grown up here, and they sound so sweet to you, and they say, well, bless your heart, that could mean one of two things. You know this already, right? You know that, well, bless their heart, that, that's a good thing, right? Maybe not. They might say, you're a fool. <laughs> and just smile at you so sweet while they drink on their sip tea with a southern accent. They make it sound so sweet, but it might be the devil's tongue. You don't know. That's how it is down here. Down here, people might be mad at you, and they'll not say, how you doing? They'll just smile at you as you walk, how you doing? And they just as mad at you. Won't even tell you what they're mad about. Hold grudges. Get mad about stuff, hang on to for 25, 30, 40 years and never even tell you. You don't even know. Somebody just tells you one day, they've been mad for 20 years, saying, I just want you to know I was real mad at you. For what? Well, don't worry about it now, it's over now. Well, my gosh, for you, maybe I'm just finding out about it. (laughs) What did I do? Don't worry about it. 
Don't worry about it. It's water under the bridge. Well, maybe your bridge, I'm sitting over here on my bridge thinking, I don't know if it's over. I'm going to talk about it. What's going on? Because people down here, and in Rome, Georgia, let's just call it like it is. People get their feelings hurt, get mad, and they'll never tell you to your face. But they'll hold stuff forever. So I'm just telling you here in this house, let's don't do that. Now, does it make people, is it uncomfortable to tell somebody if you're, if you're frustrated with them? Yeah. But it's the right thing to do. It clears the air. But unfulfilled expectations, listen to this. Let's talk about John the Baptist, John, uh, Luke 7, verse 18. The disciples of John reported to, to him about all these things. Verse 19, summoning two of his disciples, John sent them out to the Lord saying, are you the expected one or do we look for somebody else? So they reported all these things that Jesus had done, miracles, signs, wonders, deliverances, all this stuff. And they said, this, all this stuff's happening. And John said, go back and ask him, are you the one? The reason he's saying that is because all throughout before this ever happened, John preached that Jesus was the one. Do you remember this? Jesus went out to be baptized by John. He said, oh, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. Man, you're the one. They tell people when he said, hey, man, John, Jesus is baptizing more people than you. There's more stuff happening. He's got more miracles. And John said, look, he must increase and I must decrease. John knew he was the one. There was no question about it. Why did he ask Jesus if he was the one? Because Jesus was preaching around town. He'd been there for about a week. And at this time, John, the Baptist, is in jail. He's going to lose his head pretty soon. He's going to be beheaded. And so for seven days now, Jesus has been preaching, healing the sick, raising the dead, miracle signs and wonders. He's doing all kind of Christian stuff like he should be doing. And John is offended. Why is he offended? Because like so many people do, unfulfilled expectations. Jesus has been preaching for a week here. Did you tell him I was in prison? His disciples? Yeah, Johnny knows you're in prison. I mean, everybody knows. It's on the front page of the newspaper. You're there. We all know you're in jail. He knows you're in jail. Did he say he was going to come see me? I mean, I'm his cousin. We got history. When they were both in the mother in their mother's wombs, when they got close, both of them, he leaped in his mom's belly. I mean, it's like he knows who Jesus is. Why didn't he come see me? And so Jesus goes on to say something back. He says, well, I'll tell you what, take this message back to him since John's got his feelings hurt. Luke seven twenty two. So Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to him. And verse 23 throws this in just for fun. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Offense at me. So, what is offense? Interesting word in the Greek. I'll put it on the screen for you. It's the word scandalon. And if you can just look at that for a moment, you might think about what does it sound like? Scandalon. Scandal. That's where we get our word scandal. It comes from. It means a stumbling stone, a trigger for a trap or a snare. A trigger for a trap or a snare. It's, it's one of those kind of things, if you've ever seen it, it's like old school traps, little sticks right there, whatever it is, and when the little animal goes in and knocks it down, it traps them. An offense is a trap. But we think by holding offenses, we're the ones that still empower. We're not. We're the ones that's trapped. 
We think by holding something over someone's head, well, you know what, I'll tell you what. No, 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 no. We are the ones that are in bondage when that happens. The best thing to do is to pardon people. So in Romans 9 verse 33, it says, Just as it's written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Here's the question we all need to ask ourselves. Jesus, how many people were offended at Jesus? Mercy, so many. But how many people followed Jesus and were healed and delivered? Multitudes. Here's the point of the scripture. Jesus, and no matter who you are or what you do, Peter, one minute, he was rocking it out, man. He was giving the best answers. You're the Messiah, the Son of God. The next minute he says, you know what? No, Lord, no one will ever do anything to you. And Jesus has to tell him, get behind me, Satan. I mean, one minute you're awesome. The next minute you're like, I'm the devil. Like, I don't, how does that happen? It's because you can either understand this about Jesus. You can either see him as offensive or you can see him as a blessing. There is no other ground. And when he talks to us and tells us all, we are to forgive people. He means it. And if we don't forgive them, guess what Jesus now becomes to you? A rock that you're going to stumble on. You will stumble on it when you come to church. Try and worship, can't worship, because why? You're thinking about that person. Trying to do something, trying to be generous, want to give, want to help people, but you can't because the whole time you're doing it, you're just thinking about that person that I'm offended at. They may not even know. He either becomes a rock that you look at it and say, man, he, he's, he's a precious stone, but, or he is a rock of offense. Either one, that's what's going to happen in your life. And too many times as Christians, we just allow it to go on. So how can I keep from offenses from going any further? And here's the thing. You pardon them. Pardon them today. Listen, you cannot love people that you hate. But watch this. You cannot hate people that you love. Now, it's pretty strong. I'm sure we all have things we hate. I hate certain food groups. I get it. There's some things I hate too when it comes to food. But I don't think any of us should ever say about another human, I just hate that person. You have to be careful about this because in your life, it may not be somebody you know, it may be somebody that you don't agree with. I just hate what they stand for. That's one thing, but if you hate the person, that's another. So Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 43, he says, You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you might be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So listen, that ought to tell you something right there. You're going to have plenty of opportunities in life to be offended because God says, I rain down on the just and the unjust. That means the same rain that you got on your life to bless you, that same rain's fallen, and it might bless the unjust. And you can't get offended by it. Well, it's not right. I go to church every Sunday. I love Jesus. I even sing and raise my hands last week. God didn't help me. He helped them people. Hey, look, you can't get offended about that. Because, listen, who are we really offended with when it comes to that? We're offended at Jesus because he didn't bail me out. One of the two. So how do we love our enemies? couple of thoughts right here. 
We have to forgive them. We have to pardon them. We have to forgive them. We have to pardon them. So how am I supposed to do that? Well, in Matthew 10, 8, Jesus gives us a scripture that's really something. He's referring this to his disciples and others. But in all these healings and miracles that are taking place, he simply says this, in all that that you see, freely you have received. Freely you give. It means, guys, listen, you have been given something from Jesus that transcends anything else you can be given in this earth, and that is grace. That he looks down on you and he says, you know what? I'm willing to overlook and forgive you of all of your sin. Unbelievable. And he just simply says, freely you've received, freely you give. So let me talk a little bit about this, and we're going to wrap up right now. So if our guys, your worship team, you guys want to come up, you can. But I want you to hear this part about forgiveness and how do you forgive people. First of all, listen to me very carefully about this. You will never forgive anybody who did not hurt you. Sounds silly, sounds simple, but think about it for a moment. If you say this and you have this, well, they hurt me, they did me wrong, you don't know what they did to me. Of course, that's why we have to forgive them. Like, if they didn't hurt you, you don't have to forgive them, right? You know, when they steal your stuff, when they, when they are rude to you, when they take your clients or whatever else like that, then, yeah, you've you got, you got to forgive people who wrong you. You pardon them. If they didn't do anything wrong to you, there is no forgiveness needed. But here's what I want you to hear. If you're a person here today and you feel like you have to earn forgiveness from God, you're going to have a hard time giving forgiveness to other people. I'm going to say it again. Listen very carefully to what I'm saying right now. If you struggle in your walk with God in the, in the area of acceptance. So in other words, you're here. And let me just, a couple of thoughts. You know God loves you. You know God will forgive you. But you're just still hanging on to some of the past. You say, man, I, I know he loves me. I know he forgives me. But I really feel like I've disappointed him. You're having a difficult time receiving acceptance from God. You're going to have a more difficult time giving forgiveness and acceptance to other people. Because if you don't understand what you've been given, it's hard to give it away. This is why we hold offenses at people because we feel like, well, God is offended at us, so I'm going to do the same to other people. But if I understood how much God has forgiven me and released me, then I look at you and I say, you know what? I get it. You hurt me. You did. It, it, it just it broke my heart. You did. You just hurt me. But you know what? I've hurt people too. Man, I've, I've done so many goofy things. As a Christian, I've hurt people. Maybe I meant to. Maybe I didn't mean to. Either way, I've done it. Man, listen, I, I forgive you. I don't, you don't, no, no problem. I'm, it'll take me a little bit to get over it. Let's talk about it, whatever. But, but I forgive you. I'm not going to hold this over your head. Freely you've received. Freely. You give. What I'm asking you to do right now is to forgive people in your life. Why? Why, Pastor? What's the big deal? You, if you really knew what went on, because you're the one that's being, you're paying the price for it. You're paying the price for it. And when you're freed, you can help other people. 
But as long as you're the one that's bound, you can't do what God wants you to do. So this week I was talking to some of our intercessors and <clears throat> I was listening to the stories. You know, everybody, from time to time you get different testimonies. And so, you don't know, we have people praying, not just in our church, but numerous churches. I can't remember how many churches right now that people are praying in. We're all praying together. We get together as churches. We pray. We love one another. And so one was sharing me this testimony and how they went to a certain restaurant and this lady came through. She was uh, the waitress. And, you know, listen, let me just say something on Sunday. So when you go to restaurants on Sunday as believers, be a believer. Because you never know who's watching you. That's not to walk around like, oh, i got to be, no, no, no. Be yourself, be funny, be whatever, have a good time. But be a believer. Like don't, don't take out your frustrations of the week on your waitresses, right? Because they may not know Christ. Great opportunity to witness. So they're sitting there about to have their lunch or whatever, and they're saying to see the lady, she comes over, talks to them, taking orders. What else? She says, hey, can I tell you something? One of them says, hey, can I tell you something? I feel like God is wanting me to say something to you. See, you don't have to be weird about it. You know, look, can I just, I just feel, G- yeah, I got to do all that. Say, hey, listen, I think God wants me to tell you something. Every one of us could do this right here. Every one of us could do this. I feel like God's saying something to me. Can I share it with you? And the person goes like, I don't doubt it. What do you mean you don't doubt it? Apparently, God's been speaking to me for weeks. Every time somebody comes and I get their table, somebody else tells me God is talking to me. She's like, he's talking to me a lot. She may not even know Christ. Chances are she doesn't. But God's been speaking to her every week and uses people that have been praying to speak a word to her and is touching her heart at lunch, at a restaurant, not in the church. We always want to see God move in the church. My goodness, wouldn't it be better if he moved out there? I'm cool if he moves in here. That's great. Eh. But I'd rather see you guys tell me how God moved in your life out there versus a pastor doing stuff, right? And so they pray with her, talk to her, but that doesn't happen if we carry offenses. I promise you. Wouldn't it be cool to go to a restaurant today and God use you like that? Touch your heart. You share a word with somebody and watch them get saved right before your eyes. Now that would be something. But that's only going to happen if we let go of who we may be offended with today. So I'm asking you to do that right now. So I want you to close your eyes and bow your head just right where you are. I know this is not easy, what I'm asking you to do. And I don't think that anybody in here is at the verge of, of murder. But I will tell you this, that if there's hate in your heart right now, guys, you need to forgive them. Because that's the last step. If there's anger in your heart, you need to forgive them. You need to pardon them right now. If you're offended at them, you need to forgive them right now. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to do a very difficult thing right now. I'm going to ask you to pardon the person who has wronged you, no matter what it is. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. And, dear Lord, we ask you right now to just fill this room with your spirit. Lord, that you would touch hearts. God, that you would speak a word to people in this room right now. There are people in here right now. I know. Listen, I know. You're here today and you came in today. This may be the first time you're here or maybe the second time. It doesn't matter why or when. Somebody invited you today. It doesn't matter why you're here. You've been going here for years. But you just can't get away. Every time you turn around, there's a podcast about someone talking about offenses. 
You came in today, now I'm talking about offenses, and you're saying, I just can't understand why. I'm going to tell you why. It's because somewhere there's an offense that's gone unresolved. So I'm asking you right now to be led by the Lord and release them in this prayer. Just repeat this after me. Everybody in the room, just pray this prayer right now. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I pardon, I forgive, and I release this person. I ask you to forgive them, to help them, to be everything you created them to be. In Jesus' name, I turn them over to you. Amen. Amen. Now look at me right now. There's a scripture that says this. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Turning them over to God. He knows how to deal with that way better than we do. But you're giving that to God today. Okay? If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.